Welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids. I absolutely love young moms, and I love sharing practical tips and tools to make your journey easier. Things that I've learned through the years, things that I've done wrong, things that I've done right. And I love addressing those things to make it easier for you today. Today, I thought we were going to talk about a sermon series that I listened to. It's on forgiveness, which is so important for us to know ourselves and for us to teach our kids. It's like one of the key things that we need to know because you are going to be wronged in life. Your kids are going to be wronged. People are going to wrong them. And that needs to come to them as no surprise. They need to know that they're going to be wronged throughout life. And you need to prepare them how to deal with that and how to forgive others. So we're gonna talk about that. The man that did the sermon series is called Milton Vincent, and I'll put a link to his sermon series in the show notes. So if you wanna actually listen to him, you can do that. But this is things, I listened to this, oh, a couple years ago, I think. And it was just, had some really key points about forgiving those who wrong you. And I listened to it again recently because it's just things we need to remind ourselves about. It's things we need to get a handle on because wow, um, you know, if you don't deal with forgiveness, then you can tend to become bitter and worry, have worry and be anxious and just all kinds of these things creep into your life if you don't know how to properly forgive others. So we'll start with Proverbs 15:30. Good news puts fat on the bones. Marrow is the source of life. And there's power in hearing good news. You know, the truth of the power of the ultimate good news of the gospel, it's our only hope. We live in a world that has gone crazy the last few years, um, you know, on a downward spiral very fast. And it's easy to get discouraged and it's easy to think, what's going on here? How do I raise my kids to live in this world? But the gospel is what is the good news, and the gospel is what we need to teach our kids to build their lives on, the foundation to build their lives on. Romans 1.16 says, Good news is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. So, you know, if you want lives that have the power of God on your parenting, on your ministry, on your counseling others, on your marriage and on your kids' future marriages, you wanna be living in light of the gospel. And it's something we need to intentionally do. We need to teach our kids to think and reason from the gospel. The gospel is our grounding point. That's what grounds us in life. And from there we can build and reach out and, and blossom, but we need to build on the right foundation, which is the gospel. So if your kids are struggling, Ask yourself, you know, think about it. Say, what gospel truth are they either not believing or forgetting or maybe never learned? This may be something that you as a parent will, will say, hey, you know, I never taught them this. I don't know how many times in training our kids we just kind of assumed they knew what we thought they ought to know, but we never taught it to them. So then we would it kind of break our hearts. We'd go back and, and train our kids in these different areas. Learn to ask really good questions. Like ask your child, what were you thinking when you hit your brother or whatever the offense was? 
Um, you know, when you lashed out, say your brother did something wrong to you and then they lashed out at their brother. Ask them, what were you thinking? Make them think about what they were thinking and verbalize those thoughts to you. And when you, when they do that, when you actually understand what they were thinking, then you can point them to the word and say, okay, now what does God's word say about this? I know your brother wronged you, but God's word gives us some information of how to handle wrongs. So help them to learn what's going on in their own heart by helping them tell you what they were thinking. Topic of forgiveness is something we can't get away from. I mean, it's we're hit with it so often, it, but it's probably our biggest struggle in life. When your child or yourself, you know, is struggling with this, they need to be evangelized, whether they're a believer or not. They can still be evangelized through the gospel. Focus on forgiveness and applying the gospel to forgiveness. Now, I know I want to tell a story, and I know some of you have heard it before, and I apologize if you've heard it before, but it's so, it epitomizes what forgiveness is all about. We have that story in our book, Portraits of Integrity, which is based on 45 different character qualities. And for each one of those character qualities, we give a person from history that exemplified that character quality. So there's, there's 45 of them, there's 45 character qualities. But I wanna point out the one that we use for forgiveness, which is Jake DeShazer. He was one of the Doolittle Raiders in World War II. And he was actually working KP, kitchen duty, when he heard the announcement about the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor. And he just, rage kind of welled up in his heart and he was thinking, I wanna get revenge on the Japanese, this is terrible. You know, all the people that were trapped in ships and died and it was just crazy. While the Japanese were negotiating peace in Washington, they were bombing Pearl Harbor. Um, so he revenge welled up in his heart and he volunteered to be one of the Doolittle Raiders, which was a dangerous mission. He didn't actually understand what it would be when he volunteered, but um, he was one of the guys to fly a plane to Japan and to release his bombs over a certain location, certain target. And then he was to fly his plane to Chinese um, territory. But they were spotted early, so they had to take off from the, um, the carrier early. And therefore, they ran out of gas before they got to Chinese-occupied territory. So he had to crash land his plane. Um, he, long, to make a long story short, he was eventually captured by the Japanese. He was kept prisoner for three and a half years, very mistreated during that time, you know, tortured by some of the guards and, and all that. Toward the end of that three and a half years, one of the prison guards gave the guys four books. One was a copy of the Bible. And he had had a fellow prisoner who had recently died from being starved, and he had been a Christian. And he had talked about forgiveness and something Jake just couldn't understand. But anyway, when he read, when he got the Bible, he read through it. They only had it for a very limited time. I forget how many days he had the Bible, but he read through it. And in the process of doing so, he became a Christian. And it totally changed his attitude. The guards started to notice him treating them differently. When they would mistreat him, he would respond in a different way. So at the end of World War II, he was released, came back to the States, went to Bible college, 
chose to go back and preach to the Japanese people and including the very guards that had tortured him. And a really cool part of it is he wrote a track called I Was a Prisoner of the Japanese. Mitsuo Fuchida got a hold of that track. He's the man that actually led the raid on Pearl Harbor. He became a Christian and sought out Jake DeShazer, who was living in Japan at the time, ministering. And the two of them went around the country of Japan sharing the gospel together. And thousands of Japanese people were saved. I mean, it's just the most incredible story of forgiveness. Because Jake DeShazer, one man, chose to practice forgiveness, thousands of Japanese people were saved. Thousands. So I just want to show you one little picture that I absolutely love. It's a picture of Jake and Mitsuo Fuchida going around the country of Japan sharing the gospel. I don't, don't know if you can see that, but there they are. And they did this for a number of years, and thousands of Japanese people were saved because they heard about forgiveness and the forgiveness that we have available to us through Jesus Christ. And, ah, you know, you share things like that with your kids. It helps them understand what forgiveness is really about. If they can hear that story and then they're having trouble forgiving their brother for pulling their hair or whatever. It just seems so minuscule up next to what Jake DeShazer went through. And because he was able to forgive through Jesus Christ, thousands were saved. You know, what you do matters and your kids need to know that. It's not just, we're not an island to ourselves. The decisions we make affect multitudes of people. And that's what we as parents need to do is teach our children to make wise decisions when they're in that position. You might think it's just a very simple thing of somebody lying about you, but if you respond, God can use that to influence many other people. So a normal understanding of evangelism, it's not, it's not simply what we say. Yes, we need to preach the gospel with words, but we also need to impart the gospel to others through word or deed. You know, it actually entails a living embodiment of the gospel to others. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 is an example of this. But we need to live our lives in such a way that we are pointing others to the gospel through the choices we make and the way we choose to respond to being mistreated. Forgiveness is one of the critical ways that we do this, that we point others to the gospel. We need to teach our kids to desire to go deeper in understanding and experiencing the gospel. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It is so crucial. We need to be able to forgive others. And then God will forgive us. Forgiveness is required in Scripture. It is not optional. We are told to forgive those who wrong us. Seven times seven. You know, that means as many times as they wrong us, we are to forgive them. And you know, one of the ways that God teaches us this is by scheduling into our life 
people who will do us wrong. And yes, let me say that again. God schedules into our life people who are going to do wrong to us. It's part of the plan of God. And we need to teach our kids to see life that way. Instead of getting angry at the person who wronged us and wanting vengeance on that person, we need to realize God allowed this to happen. God providentially allowed this situation. What does God want me to do in this situation? How does God want me to respond so that I point others toward the gospel? You know, if we don't respond properly, if we do not forgive, there's a host of other problems that lie downstream. Worry, anxiety, bitterness. You know, God allows things into our life to make us better. Satan wants us to become bitter. And that's the natural response. If you don't cultivate forgiveness, you are going to become bitter. It's just, it's the natural thing. So we need to learn to target the unforgiveness in our child's heart, and that will avoid so many other problems. If we can teach our kids to handle when others wrong us with forgiveness, you are going to keep them from so many other ancillary, ancillary problems that will come in on down the road. Unforgiveness is the number one destroyer of relationships. Unforgiveness has caused divorces in our country. It's caused families separating. Um, you know, I, I even see it in the homeschooling movement that we expect certain things of our kids, and if they don't do what we think they ought to do, then sometimes the parents will get bitter at them instead of forgiving them and realizing that they're different than you. They're not little clones of their parents. They need to make decisions for on their own. This is, you know, when they're older, they need to come to values on their own. But it's the number one destroyer of relationships is unforgiveness. So Milton Vincent defines forgiveness with two New Testament words. Number one, it means to put away or send away. He says, send away sin not send away the offender. You know, we might think, send them away, get them out of here. But it's talking, the word means to send away their sin. When somebody offends you, the sin is situated between you and them. And you are seeing them through the lens of that sin. It's like you've got glasses on that show you their sin. So you need to learn to send out the sin that's between the two of you choose not to hold on to it any longer. You know, people that are bitter, they'll dwell on past sins. Well, they did this to me, and they did this to me, and they did this to me, and they dwell on it, and it controls them. So we need to send away that sin. Send away the offender, Matthew 18.30. That's where the um, Jesus forgave the one man much money, but then he turned around and put the man that owed him a small amount of money in prison. It says, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison till he could pay the debt. That was the ungrateful steward. He refused to forgive the man that, that gave him, that owed him a lesser amount of money. You know, 
We could never pay for our own sin. Jesus gave us so much greater forgiveness. And because of that, we need to forgive those who sin against us because it's nothing like what happened to Jesus. But instead, we tend to create a prison cell, if you will, of retaliation or consequence. We put that person in there and we don't let them out. We're angry or maybe we withhold things from it if it's our from them if it's our kids you know you can't have this privilege you can't do this you can't do that or we get angry at them and yell at them or we gossip you know if it's someone a friend of ours who mistreats us we tend to gossip about it there's such thing as a high grade punishment prison or a low grade passive aggressive prison cell who we will let them out on occasion and but if they mess up we send them back bring up the past offenses. Remember you did this and you did this and you did this. Back to your room with you. You know, there are some people in life that have a whole ton of people they have become offended at. So they've got various prison cells. They maybe go to church and they're avoiding this person and that person and that person because that person offended them once. Um, or maybe you're in the store and you just pretend you don't see them. Turn your head and look the other way. Or there are those that respond differently and give them a tongue lashing and, and chew them out, you know, for what they did. People respond differently. But all those things are um, putting people in prison cells. Or we banish the person to the doghouse of consequence until they pay what they owe you. But instead, we need to learn to open the door and send them out of the prison cell of consequences. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. God will repay those who offend us. It is not our place to do that. God does that for us. The second word that it means, that it communicates, is grace. To grace somebody. He says that makes him think of three words. Favor. Favor is doing practical good designed to be a blessing to somebody. He says you can think of it kind of like somebody does a job for you and you give them a paycheck. You know, that's designed to be a blessing. They, you're paying for the work they did you. Where undeserved, you are doing practical kindness, but they don't deserve it. He says, pretend this person did no work for you. They were home, told you they weren't coming into work but they demanded the paycheck. If you extend grace to them, they would have failed to earn that. That is grace. You are giving them something undeserved. But then there's a third word to think of, ill-deserved, showing favor opposite of what they earned. This is somebody, he gives the example, not showing up for work, but instead they come and burn your building down and then come and demand a paycheck. Now that is totally undeserved. That grace is totally undeserved. Forgiveness is, we need to learn to send away the sin and hold it against the sinner no more. Okay, first of all, send away the sin, open up that door, then hold it against them no more. Three, positively favor them with blessings they do not deserve. And four, do real and practical good to them. And this is something we don't feel like doing at the moment. I've given you another illustration in the past, but I want to share it again. When my daughter Kate, her brother Tim was, was a tease, and he 
would tease her, she would get upset, she would overreact, which is what he wanted. He wanted that reaction. So anyway, it was a vicious circle. So I kind of pulled her aside one day and I said, Kate, let's, you and me have a little secret. Let's prepare, let's have you prepare a special treat for Tim. I know he doesn't deserve it. I know he has teased you, but I told her the verse where your heart, where your treasure is, your heart will be there. Your heart will be also it's in Matthew. So I wanted her to invest treasure in Tim. So she was a young teen. And at the time she got out some recipe books and she was flipping through them and she decided to make this chocolate cake and she was excited and she was just starting to get to the age that I would let her bake and use the kitchen. So she made him a cake. And when he got home that day, he'd been off with his dad, um, apprenticing on the drywall job. He got home. And she said, you know, mom, I don't remember his reaction, but what I do remember is it totally changed the way I felt about him. And that's what we're after. It changed the way she felt about him because she had invested treasure in him. She had been thinking about that all day. What would Tim like? Well, he loves chocolate. Let me make this chocolate cake. Let me make a double batch of icing to put on it. And it's, it's kind of cool that she doesn't remember his reaction, but she remembers what it did to her in her heart. And this is the kind of thing that we can do with our kids. We can take them by the hand and we can lead them and help them to make a wise decision when they are in a position where they need to practice forgiveness. This is going above and beyond. She didn't feel like making a cake for him at first. She probably felt like punching him or something. But when you do what scripture requires you get scripture results you get god's promises and she extended herself to have a special surprise for him and it changed her heart that is the key now not that it never had to be done again and obviously i had to deal with her brother about teasing her that was a different issue but she had done wrong too by overreacting so you deal with both of the people and she was in the position to take up an offense and become bitter if she didn't forgive him. So that's why I dealt with her first. That was helping her deal with what was going on in her heart, helping her to make the wise choice so that she would choose to do the right thing and choose to practice forgiveness. Um, again, Growing in Wisdom talks about 43 negative behaviors and the corresponding positive behaviors. And forgiveness is one of the ones in here. You know, if you just respond the way you naturally respond to an event, you're going to do wrong because our, our hearts are desperately wicked. And what comes naturally is making the wrong choice. So we need to encourage our kids to learn what the word says. This book leads them through scriptures and they look up their simple short answer questions with scriptures to look up. So they see what God's word says about that sin and what God's word says about the opposite. You know, when we choose to, to choose wisely to do the right thing. So it's giving them wisdom, growing in wisdom. It's helping our kids make wise decisions, not just in forgiveness, like I say, there's 43 different sins in this book that it deals with, but unforgiveness is one of them. Okay, I think we're going to stop here. 
Um, there's so much rich information in this sermon series, and I hope you'll actually listen to it sometime yourself. Um, but we're going to stop here, and next week we'll pick up with four steps that are entailed in learning to practice forgiveness. Thanks for joining me today. See you next week.